0: When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 16 of our study, uh, Exodus, God's great rescue. And we left off at our last episode that Moses was talking to God about what am I, how, how am I going to lead these people out of Egypt? And, and God flares up and says, I am the God who created everything. I am, I am El Shaddai. I am the God Almighty. I am the Great One. And I will, if, if Pharaoh wants to escalate this war with me, then let's bring it on because I am ready to go to battle with, uh, with Pharaoh. And we will win this war. And uh, you can see the power of God coming through. So that's kind of where we left it off yesterday. And now we're going to continue with that discussion from God and we'll start reading at Exodus 6, uh, Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out of under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord, he says. Just so you can imagine this power that God has God comes to Moses and says, I am God. I created everything. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Listen to me. And if Pharaoh wants to bring this battle on, let's bring it. I will win this battle. I am the Lord your God. I will deliver you from slavery in Egypt. You just can feel the power of God's words coming out of him as he comes to Moses. And so Moses is standing there listening. I almost feel like sometimes it's a blast furnace, right? When I was a kid, I grew up in Phoenix, and Phoenix is a lot hotter than Tucson. At least it's a lot hotter than Vail. And we're at, what, 3,300 feet here. Phoenix is at 1,000 feet, so there's even 2,500 extra feet of height, and the higher you go up, the cooler it gets. And also, we're farther south, and for some reason, we're not as big of a heat sink as Phoenix is, we're more spread out. And so this really is a much cooler place to live, especially in June, July, and August in Phoenix. It never gets below 100, even at night. At least here in Vail, it you know cools off at night, which I'm so grateful for. But what, when we were in high school, you know, we were always looking for crazy things to do. So we would go to Sky Harbor Airport and we would watch people come out of the airport terminal because some people had never been to Phoenix before. And so if you arrive in Phoenix... In the middle of the summer, and your plane lands and it's eight o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night, you think, Oh my goodness, you know, it's it's gonna be a wonderful day, and you come out of the terminal and it would just be you could see their faces. It's like, oh, what is this heat? Because that's what we did for entertainment because we're crazy. Anyway, I almost feel like that God is just like this blast furnace to, to Moses and just just giving him all of his power and all of his might god almighty and moses is taking there and it's and it's blasting him and it's like okay okay i'm gonna go do this so what does moses do so moses is now gonna go to the israelites and he's gonna tell them about this so let's see how that goes so verse 9 moses reported this to the israelites but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor so moses goes to the israelites and tells them all this but they're still upset That they have harsh labor. They don't want to hear about it. They want to live in slavery. They don't want to listen to Moses. And so Moses comes back to the Lord. And then the Lord says to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. (laughs) But Moses said to the Lord, Well, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? So I'm speaking with faltering lips. This uh, This is the way it is with leadership. Lead leadership is. uh, There's two parts to lead. Well, there's several different parts to leadership, but one part of leadership is coming to the conclusion that you need to lead people. And so you so you gather people around and you lead them. And one of the hardest things about leadership is when the people say, well, we don't care. We don't we're we're apathetic. We don't want to. We don't want this change. And If you're a leader and you know that you need change, the change has to happen. One of the greatest things that can happen to leadership is if the people rally behind. You know, oftentimes um you have, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Braveheart, but you have Wallace, uh, whatever his name was, William Wallace, who decides to lead the Scottish people, you know, out of out of their oppression and that we're going to win this battle and all the people are surrounding him and say, "Yes, yes." I mean, ultimately he died for this cause, right? but but he was he at least knew that the people were behind him and this is the way to go the harder way to lead is to say this is where god has led me to go and the people are indifferent or they don't even care about it that and that's what these israelites are it's like we'd rather stay in slavery yeah we're we're fine where we are uh, <laughs> they did not listen to him because of the discouragement and harsh labor And so, but Moses, Moses has to go. The Lord says to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let Israelites go out of the country. And Moses says, but if the Israelites would not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Since I speak with faltering lips. It's like, I can't even motivate the Israelites to go in this direction. How in the world am I going to get? I mean, if they would all raise up in arms and say, yes, this is what we're going to do. And then I took that power and force to Pharaoh and said, the people are worked up. There's going to be a battle. You better let us go. Um, then that is one thing. But the, the Israelites, they're a stubborn people. They don't want to go out of slavery in Egypt. They want to stay comfortable where they are. They want to live in slavery. They're pr- and, and this is such a it's such an image for every company, right? Every company that ever lived, they come up with a product or an idea and it's great and it's great and, it, and, and all of a sudden they're making great products and everything's going well. But then the competition is producing something else or government regulations come in or some change has to happen. And the leader of this organization, of this company says, I know change has to happen, but it's hard to get people to um, to react to change, to understand that change has to happen. They're perfectly fine and comfortable where they are. They don't want change. And so the leader's like, how in the world am I going to make this change? I mean, the people won't even listen to me. They, they won't understand. Um, leadership is tough. Leadership is tough. I feel sorry for Moses. Um, now, uh, now we, 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 the, the Bible does this every once in a while. You have, um, you have these stories that are going on and on and on. And all of a sudden it comes to this climax or this, to this thing. And then all of a sudden the Bible shifts the narrative in a totally different direction. And I'm not entirely sure why. It could be that the period of time has passed, and so they're trying to fill in, or maybe there's just um, this idea to let this let this just sink in for a while. It's like while you're contemplating this great battle, this great, and here's where we are. Here's where we are in the story. Moses is told, or God has told Moses, we're going to let my people go. He's given them all the signs. He's, he said, you will, this is a battle. Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. It's not going to go easy. And and Moses goes back to the Israelites and say, okay, this is the way it is. And the Israelites are like, meh. And so Moses is in this time of conflict. Like, does he, does he you know, throw down the staff and walk away because the people don't seem to want to listen to him? And, and God it doesn't seem to be much help. I mean, this poor leader, he's in this time of conflict. Like, what do I do now? God wants me to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt. The Israelites don't even seem to care about it. It's going to go to, to Pharaoh, and there's going to be this big, huge battle. The people don't even seem to care about it. Like, it's just one of these points in the story, like, okay, what's going to happen next? Because it's not going as everybody thought it was going to go. I mean, as we thought it was going to go, is that the Israelites just say, yes, God's going to rescue us. Woo, 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 woo. But they're like indifferent. And, um,. So in these points of time, oftentimes we will get a different narrative in the scripture. We'll just kind of stop, shift directions, just talk about something else for a while. And that's what happens here. Um, we kind of leave the story on hold and then we go talk about something else. Well, what are we going to talk about? Well, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the family record of Moses and Aaron. So we're going to just Exodus 6, starting at verse 13. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commended them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. These were the heads of their families. The sons of Reuben, remember Reuben was the firstborn. uh, Reuben was the firstborn of Israel, and the sons of him were Hanak and Palu, Hezron and Carmi. These were the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jackin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These were the clans of Simeon. These were the names of the sons of Levi, according to their records, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Levi lived 137 years. Verse 17. The sons of Gershon by clans were Libni and Shemai, The sons of Kohath were Amram, Izhar, and Hebron, and Uziel. Kohath lived 133 years. The sons of Merari were Mahmali and Mushi. These were the clans of Levi, according to their records. Amram married his father's sister, Jacobed, who bore him Aaron and Moses. Amram lived 137 years. Just (laughs) I want you to listen to that. (laughs) Um, Amram married... His father's sister, Jochebed. Have you ever thought about marrying your father's sister <laughs> if you're a guy? Um, that's kind of weird, all right? That's kind of weird. Um, verse, tw- uh, verse 21 The sons of Izhar were Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. The sons of Uziel were Mishael, Elzephon, and Sithri. Aaron married. El-Lashiba, the daughters of Amin, Aminida, Aminadab, and sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah were Asir, Elkanah, Abiasaph. These were the Korahite clans. Eleazar, son of Aaron, married one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These were the heads of the Levite families, clan by clan. It was this Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, the same Moses and Aaron. So this, this um, little brief interlude talks about where Moses and Aaron and how their families shook up. Because if you remember, all 12 tribes came into Egypt. Jacob, who is also known as Israel. If you don't know that, this will make sense. But Israel is also known as Jacob. So you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. And Reuben was the eldest. And then this shows how, um, how Moses kind of fell into those tribes and how Aaron fell into those tribes. Reuben was the eldest, then Simeon, Levi, Naphtali, Ishakar, Asher, Dan, Zebulun, Gad, Benjamin, Judah, uh, and Joseph. Those are the 12 tribes of Egypt. And, but, but Jacob is also known as Israel. So today when we talk about the Israelites, uh, in the news today we have that Israel is fighting Hamas and they're having rocket volley up against each other and it's Israel, Israel, Israel. Well, Israel is basically Jacob. So when we talk about the God, God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that Jacob is also known as Israel. God called him Israel. And so you could almost say that Jacob is fighting Hamas. And Hamas, all of those people are follow Muhammad, they're Islam, and they take their birthright from um, uh from jacob and esau they take it from esau so you have israel and then you have islam which is the other son now whether or not that's true or not that's just what the islamic people say that they come from esau and there this battle that's been going on in the middle east has been going on forever and ever and ever since the time of jacob and esau it's it's just it's um it's not a pleasant picture. If, if Pharaoh had listened, if they all could have gotten along together in harmony, this whole thing may have ter- turned out different. But this eternal battle that exists in the Middle East, you almost feel as if God is hardening the hearts of all of these other people. And um, it, it's, uh, it's just, you, you gotta wonder. Um, other places in the world, they can finally you know, learn to live together we bombed japan with an atomic bomb and now we we do trade and commerce and talk to japan they're part of the g7 i mean all of this uh this friendship that we have with japan they've become a democratic nation um i mean if we can get along with all these other countries in the world how come they can't get along in the middle east you just have to ask yourself that question and you gotta wonder if it, if this deep-seated hatred just goes very, very, very deep. Um, so now you have Israel, who is also Jacob in the Middle East, and these are these are his sons. and this is where Moses and Aaron came from. All right, um, uh, let's see. So we'll, we'll just continue verse verse 28. That would be over here. Verse twenty-eight. Now, when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, He said to him, "I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you." But Moses said to the Lord, "Since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me?" I mean, this is really a this is really a crisis for Moses, and actually, it's a crisis for any leader. Leaders, um. Leaders will get to a point when they're leading people and the people will feel like, um, you know, maybe we need a new leader or maybe we need uh, a new process or a new product or all that sort of thing. And there's just these times when leaders just really, really struggle. And um, if you've ever led a company or an organization, you you may have experienced this. Um, you know that change has to happen. You know the people have to be motivated, but people are very, very comfortable wherever they are. And that, that's a difficult crisis of faith. So Moses is in this crisis right now. And so we, we had this segue to talk about his lineage and all that sort of thing. But well, that's where we are. Moses is is every leader. Moses is anyone who's tried to, you know, create change in an organization. And fortunately for Moses, he has Aaron next to him. And Aaron will be there beside him. Um and that is a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. Um, I think leadership is never done in a vacuum. None of us, like I, my leadership—if I have any gifts at all—it's that I think about things deeply, and that's it. Like that's the only gift that God's given me. I don't have the, you know, I. The gifts of some other people that I look and I'm just like, wow, you know, that's a great gift. I worked for a guy for a number of years who was um, a very strong and passionate leader. He always went in the wrong direction, right? But he was just strong and passionate about going in the direction he wanted to. And I was always envious about, you know, that that power and that passion that he had. Um, there are people that are great with checklists, you know, give me a checklist and I'll do it and do it. Well, where does a checklist come from? It usually typically comes like, they'll come to a person like me and say, okay, what should be on the checklist? <laughs> and so I think about it and I say, okay, here's the checklist and I you know, I give that to people. Um, I'm not a good checklist person. I'm not a you know, passionate, powerful, strong person. Um, there are other people that just wanna do the right thing. There are other people that emotionally wanna do the emotionally right thing. There, there are people that don't like change because they're afraid of change. Uh, there are people that they don't even care. They just, all they wanna do is go to work and enjoy life. That's all they wanna do. And, uh, you know, let let the company go up or down. I don't care, but just give me my friends at work. And that's what I want. I want to have a happy time at work. And all of these different people have different gifts and skills. And um, a great leader then kind of goes around and finds all the all the best from all the people. You know, the organization is leading and he puts together teams and that sort of thing and and tries to move them forward and and. Um, it's, you know, anytime you make change, it's hard. It's hard for me. Uh, leadership does not come easy. I'm always thrown into these leadership positions and, um, it's just, it's, I, I don't even think I'm a natural leader. I think, I think I'm, uh, I'm probably most happy just thinking about things. Like if all I could do is just spend 40 hours a week writing sermons and preaching sermons and maybe talking to people, you know, I'd be very, very happy about that. But but God's placed me in an organization, in a church uh, that's growing, in a growing community, and it requires a lot of people and a lot of gifts in a lot of different areas, some that I don't, most that I don't have. But the great thing about, about our church is we simply have a lot of great people. I mean, a lot of great people with a lot of great passion, and that's, that's the exciting thing. All right, so um, I think I think we'll end it there. We've finished Exodus six. I think we'll move into Exodus seven because now now we're going to move into, into direction. and it's probably just better to end as we are. So uh, let's just go ahead and pray for the end of the day, or the end of the ser- uh, end of today's lecture. <laughs> lecture, dear God, um, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for the blessing of today. Uh, help us to learn about leadership from Moses and continue to. Help us, all of us, because all of us are leaders in some way. All disciples are leaders. Uh, be with us until we meet tomorrow. In Jesus' name, A hey, tomorrow. Hey, amen.